Hello and welcome to another episode of the St. George's Rod and Staff, the official podcast of the Church of St. George the Martin Kales River, alongside the chapelries of St. Mark and St. Monica's. I am Lindsay Shooters, your host on this exploration of faith during this time of continued and ever-deepening crisis. And I'm joined as always by the rector of our parish, the Archdeacon Rodney Whiteman. How do I find you today? Good day, Lindsay. I just come off of the beautiful site of Sekebosi in Hard Bay after doing a marriage up there. Um, we have to shift. We had to shift to Plan B, but it was a beautiful scenic drive that I haven't been on for a very long time, and recalled many memories of friendships that I built up of people who used to live in Hard Bay and. To also see the changes that has come along there, I was quite interested in um, one of the the views is um, a skateboard and bicycle uh, ramp like spot. Interesting that um, it was it was um, a multicolored um, group of young boys and girls, I think, that were doing their skateboarding and riding the bikes and. You know, to think of what Harpa used to be like in the past, um, lily white and no real mixing. Things certainly has changed um, a lot in that place. Mm. Um, still remains beautifully scenic. I mean, I'm a little bit um, angry that, you know, our ancestors claimed that everything belonged to everybody shared wise. Um, Europeans believe that let's divide and rule, grab and own. Um, yeah. And, you know, you, but I, I think it's important that one sees how the poor did not allow themselves to stand outside of the gate. They bulldozed their way into that place and, and got a spot. Even a very scenic spot as well. Absolutely. Uh, even though their houses leave much to be desired, but they very much at home in Hout Bay. And um, I don't see the white guys moving out. So that says something about them as well, I think. Um, at least some of them. It's a very so tricky one. Yeah, but I, I just I just added that the, the, the poor will not be marginalized. Yeah, I don't know. I, I still have much meditation to do on where I stand with access to land and like property values and zoning of areas. And We're dealing with a whole host of things here. You know, I years ago, a town clock that I now knew from my time in Bontable, who became the town clock and Two of us were in conversation. We were in, the, we were in the same group in conversation one day, and I challenged the idea of prime land because you see, all of that becomes a grand idea around those who have wealth. Now they make it into a law, and once it's a law, you have to obey it, mm. even though there's no morality in that law. And you know how uncomfortable people like a town clerk has to be when somebody says to him, who said that was prime land and for who is it prime too? <clears throat> because that's how they de demarcated land so that separation can happen. And, and, and you know, um, but as I said earlier on, thank God the poor will not be kept out. Uh, I've seen this happen with Masipumalele when I when I lived and worked in Fishuk. Um, but but um, and I mean Masipumalele was only earmarked for what eight thousand people. There's now over thirty odd, if not fifty odd thousand people, yeah. and moving into the wetlands, which is not safe. But the reality is, they the poor will not be kept away. They will not be marginalised. They will not be silent. Because people aren't concerned about a house as much as, you know, do I have a space to sleep with my, my, my family in safety? So they have this, the, the RDP homes, and then they become landowners. They move out. Um, they put shacks in the yard. And um, it becomes a whole mess of people living on top of one another. But yeah. that's yeah. part of survival. 
we've been, uh, the, uh, the Anglican Diocese of Falspe has been struggling to put up a building on a piece of land that they bought. But the issues with the, the land itself, um, <laughs> because the way that they divide the land into property, there's not as per the normal standard. So you end up with a piece of land going over a drain. Mm. <laughs> and so the church wanting to plant itself there finds itself in a terrible situation because it needs to have a community church there, but you sit with dynamics that's out of your hands. So we, we've had to spend a lot of money over a, over this, this time, and the church still hasn't been built. Yeah. Um, you know, but but yeah, the the main thing for me is that the poor will not be silent. But how do you regulate properly under those circumstances? Because you need regulation, a fair regulation. But how do you do that? Advent is about hope, the hope of something new happening. Is that possible? Uh, yes, yes. I hope that the new administration does something better than the old administration. Oh, good. Then they, then they. I hope they get uh, challenged by the Advent spirit. Indeed, indeed. Um, yeah, it is Advent. It's new beginnings. Uh, if you could please call us together with the collect and an appropriate opening, and I'll catch up with you for a lovely conversation after that. Good day, my brothers and sisters. The way that I'm starting the service and the liturgy this. This week is with a heralded message, almost like a prophet that uh, I chose a hymn from that Charles Wesley wrote, um, one of my favorite Advent hymns. Uh, so this is the heralded message. Come, thou long expected Jesus, born to set your people free from our sins and tears and sins release us. By your death on Calvary. So it sounds as if that heralded message already has an understanding of where it will lead, where the journey will lead to from Advent. Now is the time to wake up out of sleep, says Paul to the Roman church, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The Lord, who is our righteousness, is is with you. We are gathered in God's dwelling place. Let us worship at God's footstool. What follows is that the Advent wreath will be blessed and the first candle, which is themed hope, will be lit to the reading of Romans 13, 11 to 12, part of which we just read earlier on. But let us gather around an important part of the service, which is the prayer called the Collect. This prayer is prayed by the Anglican Church throughout Southern Africa. Can you imagine 28 dioceses across Southern Africa praying this prayer, perhaps in different vernacular, but with the same message? So let us pray together. Almighty Father, your Son came to us in humility as our Savior, and at the last day he will come again in glory as our judge. Give us grace to turn away from darkness to the light of Christ. We may be ready to welcome him who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Lindsay? Of course, you will find all of the choice verses from the readings and the prayers uh, in the podcast description, so you can navigate to that in the app that you are using. Our first reading is from Jeremiah, chapter 33, verse 14 to 16. The Lord said, the time is coming when I will fulfill the promise that I made to the people of Israel and Judah. At that time, I will choose a king a righteous descendant of David. I will choose as a as king, a righteous descendant of David. That king will do what is right and just throughout the land. 
the people of Judah and people of Jerusalem will be rescued and will live in safety. The city will be called the Lord our salvation. My question to you. So the first candle is the candle of hope, but it's also known as the prophecy candle. Is yeah. the prophecy relevant to Christians? Is the prophecy relevant to Christians? Yes. So what was, what is a prophecy? A prophecy in terms of the Old Testament context hmm. is God who raised up um, a particular person um, during a particular time in the life of his covenanted people uh, who had covenanted with and called into a special relationship with God, uh, particularly to be his kingdom of priests and holy nation and to revere God as their God uh, through obedience and worship and their life. Uh, the tie turns very much um, through their history where they enter into exile um, and the prophets often are called to speak into those contexts. Um, but the prophecy, whilst the, as, the, as the immediate effect of encouraging the people that God is taking notice of what is going on with them and his work of, of uh, wanting to transform them into this covenant people of his so that he could use them to win the nations um, often doesn't succeed because of the people who, who change uh, to their own kind of thinking. So the immediate effect of the prophecy has very short-term reality. But the prophecy always has a future uh, um, perspective, a future view of what God ultimately wants to do. Um, and that is to bring about the fulfillment of his, his uh, will, which will evidently be through uh, his son, Jesus Christ. So, yes, as we see what God does in Jesus Christ, we realize that that's com the, the complete meaning of all of that rest in terms of the Christian understanding, Christian theology, Christian history, and Christian thought uh, for all generations, past, present, and future. Mm -hmm. So it does have inclusive look into the Christian perspective um, because of Jesus. So it's, 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 it's interesting that um, something that we can usually write off, that I usually write off, as being Old Testament only applicable to like the chosen people um, can come through so strong and be relevant to um, the people of the New Testament. Yeah. Yeah. And um, then, and, and, yeah, yeah. And I, I think, did you, did you just talk about the lineage? Uh, yes. Verse 15, at that time I chose a king as a righteous descendant of David. And of course that will be picked up with Jesus. Who, who was the descendant of yeah. David? Um, and we spoke about what, Ruth, think and we spoke about we read with Samuel and all of that's those correct, yeah. in that lineage. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, so it's been it's been a journey towards Advent, like over yeah. the last couple of weeks. But then in in the second reading, which is uh, the first letter to the Thessalonians, chapter three, verses nine to thirteen, uh, I'm going to take you down to verse 10 day and night we ask him with all our heart to let us see you personally and supply what is needed in your faith may our god and father himself and our lord jesus prepare the way for us to come to you and it's a it's a it's an interesting thing like if you just extract that line those two lines out of context there's also some kind of longing there mm. to to see to meet to have a personal uh, um 
relationship with. So I was I, I was speaking with someone today who has a very interesting personal relationship with Jesus, where she is a daughter of a Duomini and was part of the charismatic church and has now gone to a more straight up um, kind of church. I forget <laughs> actually which denomination it is. Um, and because Advent is that season where you will, like, there, I think there's more conversions that happen during Advent than there are during Easter. Is that true? At Easter, we baptize the converts from Advent. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I I don't think there is a set season in the in the in the liturgical year when conversions happen. Conversions happen ongoingly. God is always at work seeking to, to transform our lives. Um, but yes, Easter is the celebration of of the, the church and its members and, and um, uh, the resurrection of our Lord, the whole call to new life. So, um, so it is the time for baptism or the season when baptism was normally held in the life of the church primarily. Hmm. Um, but but I, I think conversion happens ongoingly. Sometimes we don't even see or hear someone coming to the place of conversion in their lives, but because often conversions are not with fanfare. Uh, conversions um, happen and then you begin to see a person emerging, uh, uh, as it were, step, you know, coming forward slowly and emerging uh, with that inner work of God in their lives and they giving more expression to it um, by their presence and their participation um, and their level of commitment. So it's not necessarily that we have conversions with a lot of fanfare, um, but some people, you know, thankfully um, are interested in conversion with depth on the inner, in the inner person, mm. rather than uh, glamorized and um, and made to be a, ho a Hollywood spectacle. Um, yeah. Uh, but my, my 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 question is more: Do you find it easier to kind of push the fences to a side? with the message of salvation on the cross or with the message of salvation through the newborn king? Well, we cannot separate him. He comes packaged uh, holistically, if I could put it like that. So I, 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 so in the season of his expectation of his coming, um, how do we, what is the essence of the gospel um, that we are called to proclaim um, in, in, in terms of the liturgical year? How are we meant to proclaim this gospel? Um, the, the prophet called, looked at the city, which will be called the Lord our salvation. And so, it's a journey into the saving work of God through Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the work of salvation. Uh, that means a new creation, a new way in which we are having to, as it were, embrace all of creation, a new perspective into thinking. It's not just the conversion of the heart. Um, it's the conversion. What did Paul say? You supply what is needed in your faith. Um, so it's 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 um, discerning what that means. Um, day and night we ask him with all our heart to let us see you personally. 
Um, so that presence, the, 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 the ministry of the presence of God in the world and us re, uh, getting people to realize the importance of how to respond to that presence, um, how to be open to that presence, how to long for that presence, because at Advent is the season of longing. Uh, as we as we await in anticipation, um, so it's both embracing the fullness, which is a mystery, and the journey into that fullness. Yeah, I, I guess I'm I'm personally struggling with the two ideas of faith, where one is shrouded in despair and forces you to be thankful that Jesus did what he did and died on the cross. Whereas in the other season, it's kind of gilded in this, this anticipation, this hope for something new, something different, something. And yeah, it's that dichotomy that, that I'm, I'm, I find ever harder to marry together yeah but but that's the that's the point of it in a way the dichotomy <laughs> the dichotomy is the mystery of this it's is it is it when you look at the anticipation is it all shrouded in anticipating that which will come out in such perfection that we do not meet the ugly Mm. But in our anticipation, what are we anticipating him to do in his coming to us? Exactly. That, that was going to be he, my next We question. anticipate the Okay, so we anticipate him embracing the ugly. Um, he, we anticipating, we anticipating him um, embodying the ugly and celebrating that which is, is good. And in embracing the ugly and celebrating the good, it's to turn the ugly into, through the, the, the forgiving love of God, it's to bring out new blossoms in, mm. in soil that mm. is turned around and weeded out, and soil that's been prepared for new growth. Um, through the dropping of his blood, new life is possible in soils that have been eroded by sin, now churned around um, uh, root uh, things that are that are that are need to come out are taken out, and the possibility and the potential of new life coming there. That's mm -hmm. the mystery of that dichotomy. But so in that, that yeah. So like last week at the festival of Christ the King, at the crescendo of like the victory lap over yeah. death, like the coronation service highlight. Um I then broke it down to creating Jesus as not the ideal my ideal for a yeah. leader yeah but this time in this season i want to position the question of like what did he come to save what are we anticipating because for most people who are listening to this podcast who are going to churches um for most people like that, the most of like your target audience, um, things are quite well. Like there's every house has its burdens, you know, but like things are, are pretty, pretty good. Whereas when the prophecy was unveiled through the prophets, like to the chosen, the covenanted people, they were undergoing quite a bit of strife. <laughs> So, like, the hope of this king that would save them was so much greater. But what hope 
does the idea of Jesus being born bring to 2021 where there has been a kind of stuttering economic restart and people are feeling a bit relaxed, but now for the, the new variant and all the travel restrictions and going down that route again, surging infections. But on a whole, people are doing pretty well. So so what is what is this king coming to to save? I worked in in St. Margaret's in Fishhook. Yeah. And often in our monthly fraternal meetings, this is with other clergy, the kind of things I would raise on the agenda would be inclusive of the wider context that we're living in. So Fishhook, including Lavender Hill. Okay. The Cape Flats, Fishhook, okay. including, because I can't bring to the altar of God only that which is good and nice on the surface in Fishhook. I can't speak from the scriptures in the proclamation from the pulpit, uh, nice things into, into the context of the world. I also know that we at Simonstown had a home for homeless people with very strict conditions, but giving them an opportunity. I could not restrict myself to preaching just about retirement stuff and, and all of that, because that's not what the altar represents, the sacrifice of our Lord for the whole world. That's not what the symbolism in the church represents. So when I come to St. George's, I can't, I can't deny that we come having engaged all that we all that we've engaged through the people we've met and worked with uh, we know and don't know the things we've read about you know when you were on the plane early on if you don't mind my mentioning mm. you preparing yourself going into the Gauteng context what's this new variant all about and that the fact that it started in the context of, 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 of Gauteng. So here we have in the context of Africa, um, all the challenges of, of the COVID new variant found, gratitude that we have a structure in our scientific um, um, labs that can discern these things and can make us aware of it and, and give us you know that we must bring to the altar tomorrow uh, and say thank you but we know that in this past week 22,000 had been been infected we know that almost a, a 700 and odd people died um, but at the same time we, will, we are told that on the 25th of November we started the 16 days of active activism what was the news reports all about um, uh, some we are needing to talk about things at the altar and at the pulpit that people must talk around and do talk around their their their, their tables at home or the in their bedrooms at night when they're reflecting on the world. We must talk about what is being on the news. Uh, you know the 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 the, the um, George and 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 what's his name floods and the implications of that. One person dies out of all of those people one person loses their life and the impact of a flood when you can't use water float through your streets freely but the infrastructure breaks down and you can't use water freely uh, what's the impact of that on people's lives um, and then often we have to speak about a world that is an underworld that we know almost nothing about in we hear tidbits about where where people suffer. I drove through um, Outbay today. How much did I see that needs to be reflected in our worship tomorrow? In anticipation, we celebrate change, but so much more must happen. So we must talk about this. We must bring it to the altars. 
as 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 you saying people are uh, the the congregation here for me reflects the sacrificial um giving of what they've been blessed with this congregation has under adverse circumstances sought to be faithful to ensure that the church is continuing uh, to be a public voice to be a public presence that they that they could they could connect with through a phone call or a whatsapp or a zoom meeting when they couldn't meet in church tomorrow we planned uh, an open air service for advent expecting 250 people for the outside as we are allowed to but we had to we have to revert to plan b and and i met somebody today was quite disappointed because when she applied for access to the service she couldn't because it was full already yeah these are the many things we've spoken earlier on you and i and said that suddenly we haven't heard much about hiv and aids and yet on the 1st of december is international aids day the context we we living in must be brought to the altar it must be uh, engaging what the altar signifies what the pulpit signifies what our candle signifies what the cross signifies what the sense of community signifies as we are gathered concentratedly in worship which is the the liturgy is the work of god's people on behalf of others to the glory of god so this so yes we we there's much that needs salvation and the message of salvation and and the birth of jesus provides hope for all of that is that what you say in our understanding we look to that event when in the incarnation he embodied all of that and more holistically so that we can receive grace upon grace he did so in his flesh he did so that we can see and feel and know and believe mm. but i think sometimes that relationship as i've said many times before can become a little bit to use modern terms abusive a little bit toxic especially when there exists passages like luke chapter 21 verses 25 to 36 that opens up with this is Jesus speaking to his disciples there will be signs in the sun the moon and the stars and on earth distress among nations confused by the roaring of the seas and the waves people will faint from fear and foreboding of what is coming upon the world for the powers of the heavens will be shaken then they will see the son of man coming in a cloud with power and great glory Now when these things begin to take place stand up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. So a lot of people with this in this anticipation in this hope being swept up in the hype of advent because it is the ultimate hype season. And <laughs> <laughs> you read this and you like Yeah, these things are happening right now. My redemption is drawing near. How do you temper this kind of prophecy that is now being attributed to Jesus? One of the things that I read in to whether or I read from this I gathered from this reading is the presence of God um is responded to by nature he speaks here of a special moment 
in the history of human time. Now, that is what we understand would be something of whenever the whenever this happens, we have not seen this yet. <coughs> then they will see. Do they see with their physical eyes when this will happen? Now he, he's talking about this all before the crucifixion itself. Mm. And and does it and then he speaks of the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now if he speaks of it as the son of man, is is that title still related to his earthliness? Or is it related to his post-resurrection? Because post-resurrection, he's called the Christ, the anointed one of God. And uh, Paul, I think, and the other uh, parts of the New Testament um, refers to him as Jesus the Christ, and that um, Christ is a title um, assumed to him. So this needs very much deep theological um, understanding because we are into a language that could be referred to as apocryphal. Yeah. yeah. And therefore, when you look at this, there will be signs. That's apocryphal language. Um, will the sun, the moon, the stars be an indication to us that something dynamic is beginning to happen here that is so metaphysical is way out of the boundaries of human understanding? And will there be such a moment in human history? And how will it affect people? Now, when you were reading this and 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 sharing your 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 view about it, I was thinking about um, the news that anticipated the storm coming to us this week, and there was quite a huge build up. Uh, mm -hmm. Thursday, Thursday, one of my colleagues. Father Clive Pretorius, who used to work here, he's now in Worcester, traveled from the Breda Valley to Somerset West. And in his coming, he saw that the wind on a truck over. Mm. And of course, we know that, you know, that's on the way to George. So whether the, the, the weather was beginning to take a shift this way already by Thursday. Come driving uh, along um, the Kirstenbosch Road towards Hout Bay, there were traffic officials along the way with warning signs about the wind coming from the mountain and cautioning people. So there was a hype about it. There was a hype about the weather and the danger that it does pose if it happens as expected. I must admit to you. Um, all that they had said so far has not yet occurred. Yes. <laughs> in the way that they have. Um, I drove to the mountain in, 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 in Sekabosi and I never experienced huge fall of rain like there was yesterday, a little bit of that. So, so will will these signs, this so these signs where sun, moon, the, where the where the where the elements of creation re are responding to something totally out of this world, where the Son of Man coming on a cloud with power and great glory, is this the one who has gone to the cross for us? coming back again. And it says they raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. So so when does redemption happen? The fullness of redemption, does it happen in terms of what Luke is telling us when he comes again? Or has, re has redemption been fully realized already? But its fullness, the mystery of it will happen at an occasion such as described here. Are we needing to 
look for signs because look this whole thing about jesus is coming again um you know and i know and we've spoken about this already mm. how mm. people have abused it and have made up all kinds of stories about it and when it doesn't happen they then want to change their plan yeah yeah because none of us know jesus told us according to the gospel writers none of us know so this is speaking about his coming the advent season is talking about both the coming the first coming and the parousia the second coming the anticipation of the second coming in a way that is beyond our our understanding i think there's uh, did the colleague not allude to that um jesus came to us faster he will come glory as our judge so the the advent season and that is the advent colic seems to be alluding to the second coming um with a difference mm. and 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 then will our redemption fully be realized then so we are working our way towards we are journeying to the anticipation of the fullness of the redemptive act and yet we are in the redemptive act the the act the act as already happened um and we are part of it because we caught up in the title of it um but 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 we but we haven't fully realized it yeah will creation respond in a way that we need to be looking at yeah and but then he, he he continues with this little analogy of like if you look at the fig tree as soon as they sprout leaves you can see for yourselves and know that summer is already near so also when you see these things taking place you know that the kingdom of god is here, is near truly i tell you this generation will not pass away until all things have taken place so that's like that that stops me like in my tracks there where mm. he is now said to be speaking directly to his disciples mm. and referencing them in this generational speak so mm. surely that then locks this idea this prophecy into a certain time frame and we cannot extend it to the place where we are right now that's that's very really interesting because we read into the, those words this generation will not pass away this generation right mm. so does that transfix it in a time of history or is this generation meant to be read as the ongoing generation until this happening come happens so is the words this generation locked in a certain time in history or is it meant to be read as um the ongoing means of god's grace in the generations that follow until the 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 whatever the last day means so so it's possible to read it as you are reading it into this generation which means the generation in which these words were spoken mm. to the community in which these were spoken i'm reading it and saying when jesus speaks does he speak to both the history of the day and the the culminating history but but what does he say then about after the end times like what what can you then expect if the generation will then pass away that heaven and earth will pass away but the words will not pass away and it's like 
is there now a great coming together of heaven and earth? Is it now going to be the same thing? Like, what does it? What does this prophecy infer about after? It's interesting. It's interesting why why he says my words will not pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away. I'm interested in the fact that it was the word that created the heavens and the earth in the first place. These were the words that he spoke that gave them power to become children of God. The words from the cross were words of forgiveness. So the words itself as the potential to create a new world. Um, the, the, that, that, that which strengthens our faith is both is the person, the action, and the words of Jesus. That which empowers our faith, grows our faith, empowers our faith, creates within us, you know, this conversion that you were speaking about earlier on, a new sense of being within myself. So though and a new way of looking at the world I'm living in. And also perhaps looking beyond the world I'm living in. So I, I see the potential of the words as, as his words, giving hope to the birth of something new. Or, or the birth of that which is already, but we can't see it yet. Um, those of us, or there's many, from generation one to the current time, when people just hope that what we're living will change to something better. And ending off a particular day with night uh, almost gives you, you a sense that if tomorrow does come, does tomorrow then start with the nonsense of yesterday, or does it start with the potential of something new? Well, what we've seen through this pandemic is that it, it's just going to start with the nonsense of yesterday again. But why? I actually have a theory about that. I think, and and it, again, I had a I had a crazy conversation today with somebody who got the first jab of the vaccination so that he could continue doing work. Um, he does events and stuff and is now spitting out the most insane misinformation <laughs> I've ever come across. And I think where, like the Ivermectin Brigade has a very particular flavor to them. It's all people, in my experience, who have wealth and are fighting to cling to that in the face of a possibility or having to be forced to share or forced to participate in the well-being of somebody else who isn't them or their family. Yeah, so it's 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 a and that's why we'll we'll still be haunted by the ills of the past and emerge from this great pandemic having learned nothing and nothing changing. Well I I wouldn't be as casually um Inclusive as as you as you've said it, <laughs> I <laughs> I I would assume that there are people who have learnt and have changed and have reflected and have not come out of this thing angry, but have learnt the value of sharedness, that learnt the value of community, have learnt that. The same virus as the same flu 
and every other possible illness affects us all. And that our treatment, in, in respective of the money that we have, ought to be the same for everybody. I think that there are people who are hoping that happens. But when you are transfixed on wealth for your, for your own survival, that's exactly why you won't survive. Even if you think you've made it, you will not survive because, as I said to you early on when I went into heart pay today, the poor will not be marginalized. The poor will not be silent. You know, the, 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 the benefit of, of the, 20, the, the 16 days of activism, even though I believe it should be a message for every day, and I made it my business to put it as part of the liturgy, as you well know, where we spoke about these things in our prayer. But it's 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 where people have be, who work with the broken, who have who have no voice out there, who can now say, um, "Yeah, give voice to this experience." I was listening to an advert that advertising um, the jab. My, my perception because of my South African nature is that it was a white man speaking. Very gentle voice. I, I received my first jab and it wasn't so bad. And I also received a hundred and I could spend at checkers. Mm. And um, he said, for all of you that are over 50, use this opportunity and then of course the rider comes the the uh, the there's only a limited amount of 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 um vouchers as a way to to encourage people to come i i i now listened to that so would it only affect those who listen to the radio because they can afford a radio I can listen to such adverts. Now that I know that, will I tell the bigger living next to my house the same story? Because ultimately, if I can get my jab like that guy does, though my bank balance may not be the same as the other person's, what I need is the same thing. Why don't I then start living as that as someone who's sharing that is why coming back to the congregation i'm serving here when i see the generosity of the people i realize how many of them are living sacrificially and generously and i'm humbled in this context because that is a sure sign of them living in gratitude to what God has blessed them with in such a level that they are able to share. And I, I spoke on the day when we were doing the dedication festival yeah. that yeah. their giving right now is not just to ensure that the present is maintained, but the present is maintained and grown and nurtured for the future. And that is why I believe that there are people who are in maybe in small batches making a difference because they, they have thought of changes in their own lives as a result of COVID. Well, I, I hope that more would come to that kind of realization that we are interlinked, that we all share the same needs as everybody else. Yeah. And yeah, on that, I think I will leave this Advent conversation. Um, if you could please extract a few more reflections from the praise of the church. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much, Ash, um, Ashley. Now I'm giving you a name, Ashley. <laughs> I was Dave I, earlier. I was I've Dave. called you Dave and I've called you Ashley. I think, I I think this is a regression. I'd rather be Dave. <laughs> <laughs>
No offense to any Ashley Zoolas. My, my apology, my brother. <laughs> Don't come for me. <laughs> <laughs> but as we pray, let us keep in mind the 16 days of activism against gender-based violence and any other form of violence that we are experiencing in the world. Um, as we, we pray, let us think about the new variant and let us pray for those who assume that they are okay by keeping South Africans out of their country or, or those whose countries have it. Let us not assume we know how this virus works, how it mutates, but let us be grateful for our scientists. Let's thank God for them. We now know there's a new variant and that we need to keep to the protocols. Let us pray for diligence. Let us pray in this time of anticipation of hope that only God can bring, that we will live lives that He, God, is changing so that we can create a better world, a world of His kingdom. In this time of Advent, our call is Maranatha, which means come, Lord Jesus. So come to your church as Lord and judge and help us to live in the light of your coming, giving us a longing for your kingdom. Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus, come to your world as the king of the nations before you rulers will stand in silence. And that is why we pray that as you bless all continents, you will guard our children and guide our leaders, giving us peace for Jesus Christ's sake. We call out Maranatha, come Lord Jesus, come as the suffering, to the suffering as savior and comforter. And although COVID has taken up most of our thinking, most of our observations, most of our prayers, we think of those, Lord, with other ailments, other, other challenges um, uh, medically. And let us not forget that AIDS is still around, flu is still around, and other things that are life-threatening, break into our lives, therefore, where we struggle with sickness and distress and set us free to serve you forever. Um, we pray that you may save us in the face of COVID from our arrogance so that we will soon be free from the oppression of this virus. Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus, we pray, to us as shepherd and guardian of our souls. We remember all who have died. We think of the person in the George area of the floods, those who have died as a result of COVID and other illnesses. Give us with all the, the faithful departed to share in your victory over death, evil and death. Come, Lord Jesus, do not delay and give new courage to your people who trust in your love. By your coming, raise us to share the joy of your kingdom on earth as in heaven. where you live and reign with the Father and the Spirit, one God forever and ever. Come, Lord Jesus, and bless those who celebrate the joy of life in birthdays and marriage. May your blessings be upon them always. And so we pray then as we give thanks because you are gracious and your mercy endures forever, that you will indeed bless your people now ready to go out into the new week. Receive the prayer of benediction. You know what time it is, how it is now the moment for you to wake from sleep. Salvation is nearer now than, than when we became believers.
thy darkness. Lord Jesus Christ. And the blessing of God, creator, redeemer, life-giving comforter be with you always. Amen. My dear sisters and brothers, thank you for joining us. Go in peace with courage to love and to serve the Lord. In the name of Christ. Amen. Blessings for the Advent season. Remember, we still have three Sundays to go before Christmas. And we'll keep you informed going forward of all the services. But join us again in a conversation so necessary for our day. <laughs>